0: Today, I'm talking to Sebastian Couture, who is a good friend of mine and most known for being a co-founder and co-host of one of the longest running podcasts in crypto and Bitcoin and just web three space called Epicenter Podcast. These days, he's focused on his Interop Ventures and Noble Builders, which is VC and a conference focused on Cosmos Ecosystem and Interchain Builders. We'll talk about what it's like to work in crypto for over 10 years, how his career evolved, why he decided to stick with podcasting for so long, what are some opportunities in Cosmos Ecosystem? How it is different from other ecosystems from Ethereum, for example, and many more other questions. Stay tuned, make sure to think of questions that you would like to ask Seb and write them down below in the comments. We'll try to answer them all. Okay, let's go. Seb Couture, I always keep butchering your, your last name. <laughs> What's the proper name to pronounce it? <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, couture works if you're saying it in English, but in, if you're saying it in French, it's couture. It's, uh, you have to couture. be able to do this, uh, this this French flat R. It's it,
0: it's it's like Cartier, but more expensive. Couture. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, so I don't think I'll be able to uh, do a full introduction of uh, Seb because he's got too many achievements in his life, more than I can remember. But uh, briefly, in short, that I can uh, remember, <laughs> not remember, or like highlight, he's uh, been in crypto definitely longer than I have. Uh, he's a co-founder of Epicenter Podcast. So I think he's been stacking sats for more than how many years <laughs> I've been in the market. Uh, he's also currently running Nebula Summit, uh, Nebula Builders, which is a Cosmos-focused summit conference, and I be- believe a VC studio as well. Anyway, this is like my butcher introduction, uh, but I'll let a Seb uh, ex, uh, kind of do an intro about himself.
1: Yeah, I mean, you kind of summed it up like uh, pr- pretty well. So, uh, uh, I've been I've been doing Epicenter for the last well, going to 10 years in December. Uh, Epicenter is a crypto podcast that focuses on the technologies but also the overall trends of the space you know we started that podcast 10 years ago and have been around ever since and uh yeah continue to host epicenter with my co-hosts uh brian crane sunny agarwal uh frederike ernst and mayor roy and sometimes felix from course one also joins. so yeah we're a good group of hosts there uh doing the podcast um, yeah and then more recently I started a venture fund called Interop Ventures we're an early stage fund focusing on the emerging uh, interchain ecosystem and we focus primarily on teams and projects building on the Cosmos technology stack which we can talk about today here and as part of that uh, you know I, I always go back to you know the things that I, I think I've, I've been really good at over the last years is you're know, doing podcasts and, um, and and hosting events and so uh, last year about a year and a half ago I founded a new podcast called The, the Interop Drop, which is a podcast that focuses on, you know, specifically on the on the Cosmos stack and a lot of stuff happening in the modular space and the app chain space. And then we, as you mentioned, we host Nebular Summit, which is uh, our interchain builders conference. And that's in Paris in just over ten days, right after it's cc It's on the twenty fourth and twenty fifth of July. And uh, for those interested, uh, all the links are in my Twitter bio, so you can find links to all those things there.
0: Awesome! Thanks so much for the intro. Definitely a challenge. For me today, interviewed the interviewer. You, you kind of interviewed everyone. Like, I believe you interviewed Vitalik. All the guys oh, yeah. from all big L1s. Cool. So, 10 years. Is it like 2013? Starting 2013?
1: Yeah, like late 2013. Uh, you know, I started looking into... Well, Bitcoin at the time, and figuring out like basically like how can I make money with this thing, you know. Which mm-hmm. I think I say that a lot of a lot of times when we do the podcast, you know, we're like we'll ask people, how did you get into crypto? How did you get into to blockchain? And I, I find it it's interesting that people always say that they got into crypto because they were interested in the technology and that it really spoke to them and the white paper and the ideas and stuff like that. But I think a lot of people, you know, like probably came into it first thinking how can I, how can I make money with this? And then later, you know, the the ideology and the values and the tech kind of caught on later. But I'm, I'm just hoping about it. You know, I want to make money with crypto and um, didn't for a, lot, for a long time, <laughs> you know, like kind of failed at that for a long time. But, but yeah, de- definitely like got into, you know, the values and the tech and, and also the ecosystem, just like, a, you know, great people that work in this space. And so that's what's kept me going all these years.
0: Do you remember which channel you discovered Bitcoin for the first time? Was it Reddit? Was it somewhere else? Was it? I
1: oh no, I don't remember. I mean, I, I'm a big podcast listener, so I, I started listening to Less Talk Bitcoin uh, for those who remember Adam V. Levine, who's now at the CoinDesk, but but uh, Less Talk Bitcoin podcast with Andreas Antonopoulos at the time, and actually they you know they, they kind of incubated Epicenter in a way. They, they were. Um, we were on their network for for a while and um and definitely like helped us get off get off the ground in the beginning and you know epicenters had its phases for sure you know there was like the beginning where like it used to be called epicenter bitcoin and we focused primarily like on you know bitcoin cuz that that you know, mm-hmm. bitcoin and a couple of altcoins you know cuz that's all there were back in the day i think our first episode was on like kanye coin which was some weird thing that got shut down oh. but anyway yeah and then and then very quickly you know like we heard about Ethereum White Paper and we had Vitalik on, I think, on like episode 58. And and then, you know, we saw that the space was expanding and growing and, you know, beyond just Bitcoin. And so at some point we decided to like drop the Bitcoin from the name. And, you know, we still it's not that we, you know, didn't want to talk about Bitcoin anymore. We did. We did quite a bit you know, of Bitcoin coverage and Bitcoin content over the years. Um, we had a lot of like the Bitcoin core devs on back in the early days, uh, like Greg Maxwell and Adam Back and uh you know, uh, Andreas and, and then also um, Amin Gunsir when he was doing like his own Bitcoin NG stuff. So like we did talk about Bitcoin quite a bit. You know, my, my co-founder Brian did a whole thing about like selfish mining. And uh, and so, yeah, it, 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 it we, we kind of like followed the ecosystem through through its phases as well, where, you know, in 2016, 2017, like when the whole world was going enterprise blockchain, we did a lot of covers around that. And, and now I think the content on episode is also very apropos to the, how things are evolving we're doing a lot of content about like modular blockchains and dropability and certainly like bringing in a lot of other mm-hmm. ecosystems so yeah it's um it's been a it's been a pretty been a, been a crazy ride
0: what was that was the epicenter your first podcast and how do you even decide to make a podcast
1: yeah i had, i had like wanted to start a podcast earlier and i did like two episodes of some like web marketing podcast and god knows when in the in the in the aughts. Um, which didn't really go anywhere. But yeah, Epicenter was definitely like first and, and main uh, podcast that where I really learned how to, how to do it. And uh, that it's, it's definitely the thing I've done, like beyond brushing my teeth, it's the thing I think I've done most consistently in my life is Epicenter.
0: The context why I'm asking this question is that obviously a lot of people listening and thinking about how can they, you know, kickstart their career in crypto in Web3. And uh, that's pretty much the context of this question. Maybe we'll dive in a bit deeper into it. Yeah, I mean, creating content is
1: is a great way to do it. I I think like a lot of people get into crypto and they're like, hey, I'm going to start creating content and, uh, you know, We'll, we'll talk about this in a little, in a little bit but my, my co-founder at, at interop you know is um, uh came he got into crypto also and started creating content and uh you know has a, a community of, of french builders and i've met so many people also that started their their crypto career maybe now they're doing something else or you know they have some other role or they start some other company but they started by you know with some newsletter or they were doing twitter spaces or they were doing a podcast or some videos on youtube or whatever it's just it's like it's so easy to utilize, to learn in public, I think. I mean, if you, if you can kind of get over the looking like an idiot or not being perfectly accurate every time, like I think like creating content for yourself and others is a great way to, to learn in this space.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny. A lot of people that ask me questions about how do I get started in crypto, like they all ask for, for solutions and, I, you know, it's a permissionless space. Just start building, just start kind of creating content, whether it's Twitter threads, whether it's blog posts, whether it's, you know, podcasts. Of course, you're going to get a lot of no's initially, but uh, you need to keep going. <laughs> yeah, I think like the to kind of segue, it's interesting. Another thing that I thought about while you were saying about it, pretty much your progression of the kind of career uh, is that it's. Interesting how the whole space, kind of the keywords and narratives changed quite a lot. First it was Bitcoin, then like some people there was this tension like Bitcoin, not blockchain, blockchain, not Bitcoin, and then kind of Ethereum came out and then it's all about I guess, not EVM, but like uh, multi-purpose blockchains, I suppose, right? I guess that was the narrative, but it's, I think, high on a high level. It's Bitcoin, Ethereum, ICO, yeah, world computer ICOs. Then crypto was a keyword uh, at some point. Now it's Web3, maybe interoperability uh, at some point. And I think, like, you know, what are you focused on right now is Cosmos, which is... I found personally very fascinating that you decided to pick Cosmos specifically and not something else and not maybe double down on Bitcoin. Why? Why Cosmos?
1: I mean, I didn't pick it. Like it's, um, it shows me a a, a lot. (laughs) It shows me. No, like a a lot of people, I think associate me and what we're doing with Cosmos. And I I understand why that's the case, but I'm just, I'm really interested in crypto growing as a whole. Like I'm, I'm happy if you know bitcoin adoption grows i'm happy if more applications are built on ethereum i recognize that there are different domains and different ecosystems in the industry but i i sort of see the whole industry as one big thing that's trying to achieve the same goal and i find it's it's kind of unfortunate that sometimes even within our own industry there's like these kind of petty ideological battles or whatever like we're all like here to to basically decentralize the web, have more autonomy and sovereignty over over our assets and our money, and that's the goal and that's the vision. and uh, And I think that we should we should all sort of like be, you know, looking towards that vision and and, and not kind of fighting against each other in the space. But you know, m- most people don't do that. Like most people, I think, are open and and like you know share share that that um, share that concept. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of Cosmos, like. I, I always, you know, since I first heard about Cosmos and since we had like first interviewed Ethan Buckman and, and Jake Wan on the podcast in like 2016 or something like that, I, I thought that, that the vision of interoperable blockchains and really made sense. I, I saw a lot of overlap with the way that the web worked and the way that we build applications on the web. Um, you know if you look back if you, if you look back to the early days of the web you know like the late late 90s when you wanted to build a website you like buy some hosting at some hosting provider and that hosting would be on, would be on like a machine that was sharing its resources with you know, tons of other websites and like I remember early in my career I was working in web technology I was like you know working at some e-commerce site and like at some point like another website on the same server uh, had a peak in traffic and our website went down and that didn't you know at that point we're like oh okay, yeah like we need to upgrade we need to go to some dedicated server and we need to be able to manage our own resources and not have this happen again and so it it, it made sense to me that we would have application specific blockchains and we would have more that applications would have more sovereignty and more control over their like underlying uh, stack and so th- that vision i think is you know was was an interesting way to scale blockchains and it turns out a lot of other ecosystems are now coming to that same realization or like came to it in parallel like you know with uh, whether it's ethereum or polygon or or or, or other ecosystems you know the, the the way to think about scalability is to modularize and to to have more sovereignty over over the app and then for that you need interoperability like the composability the the composability uh, assumptions that we have around say ethereum like early ethereum kind of fall apart and so you need to have interoperability standards to allow state and to allow assets to move freely between all of these kind of sovereign domains of, uh, of state so that that made sense to me and so over, over the over the years you know i've like followed the, that project and i followed that ecosystem and when i decided to you know start start interrupt like we were were focused on the interchain ecosystem but even that like you know what 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 we consider to be the interchain ecosystem even that definition is evolving is, is also expanding to include things that aren't typically you know cosmos right it- you know, if if you asked me two years ago what the interchain is, and you asked me now, I think my answer would be different because the ecosystem has expanded to include all sorts of other ideas, all sorts of other concepts, all sorts of other technologies, and and projects that don't necessarily associate with Cosmos. And so, so that's what we focus on. I mean, we we invest in infrastructure that uh, allows that decentralized applications to scale to be interoperable. Uh, to be more user friendly so we'll invest we invest also in like developer tooling we think privacy is a is a really important aspect of crypto moving forward if it's to be adopted and and also custody is also like a really big like a a big challenge that we need to overcome if we want more people to to adopt so in summary you know uh, i've said a lot here but you know, I think the, the the interchain, the idea of the interchain, the idea of the the interop, these interoperable applications, is really just like the blockchain ecosystem, right? And in reality, it's it's applying the the notion of what the internet is to decentralized, sovereign, distributed, censorship-resistant applications.
0: So we have a lot of people. Listening to us, who are looking either for jobs or opportunities, or uh, they wanted to, they're going to be starting their own companies someday. What would you say are the top, let's say three, five, like big problem areas, opportunities in Cosmos ecosystem that either they should be founding companies in that area, or maybe joining those companies that are building already solutions in in these problem areas and opportunity areas?
1: Yeah, that's a. Uh... a great question i mean there's obviously like a lot i just have to sort of think about what are the most important ones i i think so like in ethereum when when ethereum came about you know there was a lot of because everybody was using the same underlying state and there was composability i feel like a lot of the developer tools there was there was some homogeneity around around the developer tooling and the, the the different tools that came up in that ecosystem right everything is like already intrapable and composable. And so people sort of like build on top of what other people are building. Like the the concept of money Legos, because every, because uh, applications are um, because applications are sovereign in, in the interchain ecosystem, or like on the Cosmos side, you know a lot of a lot of applications will use the same SDK, right? So they use the Cosmos SDK. Uh, chains obviously interoperate using the IBC protocol, and so like that layer of like that those technology those technology pieces are there and they're really important. But there's like stuff. There's still like a lot of you know core software functions that are that are missing. And I think those are more on the developer tooling side, and so I think building really robust developer tooling that allows developers to like launch their application-specific blockchains uh, is one important place. I, I'm still like you know there's, lot, there's a couple of wallets in the in the Cosmos ecosystem. I think a lot of them are doing things very well, sort of independently. But you know, I, I like I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here because I know a lot of people who are building these wallets, but I feel like there, there is kind of a, there, there's a lack of like a very great, like a really, really great experience about around using all of the Cosmos applications and the interconnected blockchains. And so that I think is a big opportunity. And I think that the opportunities will continue to, to become apparent as, you know, Celestia launches, um, as, all of these new uh layer ones in the cosmos space are launching so like neutron and say network and saga and so these are you know these are um kind of sector specific uh chains so so saga you know is really kind of focused on gaming uh say network is focused on capital markets and finance and you know in each of these little kind of mind like Sub ecosystems of the interchain, there will be opportunities to build like better developer tooling to build you know better experiences for users to interact with these products and, the, and with these platforms and, um. So there's, yeah, there's tons of opportunity here. One of the things I think that people can, can probably, you know, if, if anyone's listening that wants to find work in this space, I think that, you know, learning, learning about Cosmosm is a, is a huge plus. I think like if you're, you know, if you're like a Solidity, a Solidity developer, uh, or if you're coming from say like Solana or some other ecosystem learning about Cosmosm, I think is is a huge is a huge benefit and it's certainly something that will help you get get opportun- like get access to opportunities in this space and so Cosmosm is this Wasm VM that is compatible with all Cosmos SDK chains and allows you to build you know smart contracts um, on on Cosmos chains and um, and Cosmwasm is is now you know, that, that the module and is now in, incorporated in most Cosmos chains. And so a lot of Cosmos chains are, are now using CosmWasm to build custom functionality rather than building new modules from the Cosmos SDK. I, I realize this might be a little technical, but essentially there's a Cosmos SDK that has some mod, you know base modules for building application-specific blockchains, but those modules are really hard to write. And, and so a lot of teams now are using CosmWasm. Like basically they're Im- embedding smart contract functionality on those chains and, and they're leveraging they're leveraging that to build custom functionality instead because it's easier easier to iterate, better developer tooling, it's written in Rust, etc. And so that I think is a, a, a big opportunity for people who are looking for for work in this space to learn uh learn cosmosm. And actually right so just right now there's a CosmWASM conference and hackathon happening in Berlin called Awesomewasm so I'm I'm, I'm sure you know, people can look that up, and I think there's probably live streaming. And then at Nebular Summit, we're doing a full day of of workshops about well, a lot of those workshops will be about Cosmosm on the 23rd of uh, of July. This Nebular Hack Day, so people can come there and and learn from the experts.
0: Are you able to maybe name? some of the companies that you invested that are hiring right now and you'd like mm. to send some of the uh, talent their way, both technical and non-technical. So far everything you mentioned sounds very like developers, developers, mm. developers. I'd like to hear like what are some opportunities for creating more content or maybe community building, marketing, explaining technical docs perhaps.
1: Yeah, I wish I would have looked at uh, all our portfolio companies um, sort of hiring before this, but um, yeah, I, 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 don't, uh, I don't have them off the top of my head. but. But yeah, there's e- lots. you by an NDA. Lots of teams. <laughs> Lo- lots of teams uh, yeah, but I mean, you know what? Like uh, Nebula Summit has a deal with. Uh, we have a partnership with uh, with Crypto Jobs List where. Uh, you guys have set up a page where our, our our sponsors and some of those are our portfolio companies uh, can publish their their jobs uh, on crypto jobs list and so I think a few of them have already started doing that so maybe we can share the link to to that uh, here in the spaces
0: yeah okay so I think uh, another thing that I was you know my cosmos knowledge is much, Smaller relative to yours. I think one of the things that I've been always curious about, and I think there's a, maybe a few podcasts, or maybe even a few episodes on that or articles out there, is like I think one of the big news was like DYDX, which kind of historically been on Ethereum. And then they made this like big announcement that they're moving to Cosmos. And I think that draw a lot of attention to probably both projects. What was that so great about uh, Cosmos or you know, do you know the, the main reasons?
1: Yeah, so they were on Ethereum and, and then on Starknet. And then they... They announced that they would uh, migrate to their own Cosmos app chain, and they actually just launched uh, testnet. Uh, I think it was like last week or mm-hmm. something like ten days ago. So, uh, so DYDX is now uh, live on testnet as a Cosmos SDK blockchain. What's interesting about what, what's interesting about DYDX, and um, I want to make maybe an analogy later too something that a lot of people would be familiar with, is that DYDX uh, leverages the Cosmos stack, so they use the Cosmos SDK, they're gonna be using IBC, I think they're also using Cosmosm. So they fully utilize the stack, they're fully on board with the vision of Cosmos, but they don't market themselves as a cosmos chain. Like I, I you know, beyond their their initial announcement, I, I don't really think they talk about Cosmos very much. And certainly their marketing, they're not like branding themselves as a cosmos chain. And, and, and I think that's really cool and I think it's it's it kind of plays at the strengths of the Cosmos stack is that it's not opinionated about like branding or, or, or anything like that. It's just open source software that anybody can use, and you know Polygon also uses parts of the Cosmos stack. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but they they do. And 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 another ecosystem that pe- some people know and remember is Terra. So Terra, which you know USTT, or UST, sorry, <laughs> where UST, sorry, yeah. where UST was issued and you know, famously collapsed uh, in in twenty twenty two. Like they were also a Cosmos chain, but they didn't really market themselves as a Cosmos chain. So I, I think that's interesting, and I I, I really. I think that l- more projects will will utilize the stack and not necessarily have to align themselves with Cosmos branding, but that, that's fine. It just creates more opportunities for everybody and it's creating more use cases for, for blockchains and for crypto. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give maybe a, like an analogy here. We're all using, like right now, like you probably have like 10 devices in, around you that are using uh, the Unix kernel and parts of the Linux stack. None of those devices brand themselves as Linux. So like my MacBook and my iPhone are using the, the Unix kernel and, and parts of the Linux stack. They're, you know, Apple doesn't brand themselves like, hey, like we're a Linux company or, you know, we're our, our operating system is Linux. No, they use the open source s- software. They build great products with it because it's a great piece of technology. And that piece, that technology has had like a vision about how operating systems should be architectured, how systems should talk to each other, you know, like a security model. And then all of the open source developers that build on it, like it's really powerful and it's, it's really useful to society. And so I see Cosmos as kind of a similar, in, in a similar sense where it's, it's a piece of technology that sure has maybe some like, you know, some branding attached to it in the form of Cosmos and Atom because that was kind of the flagship chain there. But over time, that is going to become less and less relevant, and we'll just be using technologies that don't really associate with like one or another ecosystem. And I'll, I'll reference back to a, a podcast that I heard recently with, with Hasu, you know who's a, like a crypto researcher that a lot of people know from Twitter. Mm-hmm. and he said something to the effect of, you know, in, in five years from now, it'll be very difficult to know whether you're using cosmos or Ethereum because it's not going to matter anymore. the layers of abstraction between the operating system you know the, the underlying technology substrate and the applications will be so far removed that you know we're, it's not going to matter anymore. It just it just won't. So mm-hmm. I, I, forgot, I forgot where we started here, but essentially, yeah, that's that's kind of how I see this
0: mm-hmm. you know moving forward. Yeah, we started with the uh, DYDX moving to uh, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 20? like it's
1: like you know it's like a, you you might you might start a company tomorrow and you might be building some embedded device that has an OS on it and you'll probably you'll probably choose to use Unix if you're gonna if you're gonna do that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies are doing that, but none of them are saying like, we're Linux companies. They're just building companies and products. They just happen to be using open source software that, that's mature, that's well-designed, that has a developer ecosystem, that has all sorts of software built for it and modules and extensions, etc. And so like, I think that's where I see Cosmos going.
0: Cool. Uh, some, you mentioned something very interesting just now. I'm pretty sure not a lot of people are aware. I certainly was not aware of that. Uh, you mentioned the Polygon uses parts of Cosmos Stack. Do you know which specifically which parts of it?
1: I, I think Polygon's have kind of evolved over the years, but I believe they use Tendermint. I mean, I, mm. I think they forked Tendermint. Uh, they don't I don't think they use the Cosmos SDK, but or maybe they use parts of it. But they they certainly. They used to number for yeah. for consensus, right? For consensus, yeah.
0: Basically, how did the idea of a conference came about, right? So like you moved on to start a VC and then uh, started a podcast so where those things came at the same time. And then you decided to do a conference, which is kind of like next level chaos of organization. Conference is like the <laughs> the most amount of effort and coordination that needs to be done.
1: Yeah, I mean, like last year, we, we like ECC was coming around and it's like, there's no cosmos content or there there, there's no real cosmos or interchain conference happening in paris around etc there's all these other events and yeah let's let's do like a side event and that turned into being like a one day like a pretty big side event it was like a one day conference with a bunch of sponsors and everything there's a community of people that came around uh that 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 uh sort of gathered around this 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 idea in nebula summit i I just thought like this is so great like this uh, i i had such a great time at this event i'm i it was surrounded by like lots of friends and and partners and aso- business associates and just new people that i'd never met and uh, and, the, and the vibe was great and people really loved it and they really enjoyed it and so it just made sense to do it again this year only bigger but yeah <laughs> bigger means more you know more problems and more opportunities but also like more more problems and things to deal with so uh, it's been a, it's been a loading experience and also the, the team is now bigger. So it's now like me and another person. <laughs> so there's like two people mm-hmm. and we, we have like a production company that's helping us also with the organization. But uh, yeah, so Nebula Summit is the Interchain Builders Conference. We we, we say that because we, we're, I'm really passionate about like developers and people who are building stuff. And so Nebula Summit is going to be the conference where all builders come together to talk about the cool stuff they're building, to talk about the technologies that people can build with, right? So stuff we've been talking about since the beginning. So it's a a technical conference. And and we'll also have workshops. So like I said, on the 23rd of July, we have Nebular Hack Day, which kind of kicks off Nebular Summit. It's a full day of workshops. So it's like DYTX and Neutron and OKP4 and Juno and Boric and, and some other teams are going to be giving workshops through that day. So you come with your laptop, you like launch your terminal and VS Code and you just learn how to do something for like an hour and a half. So that's free for anybody to attend. And the details are on the website. Website's Nebula Builders, Builders. sorry. Um, we'll, uh, all the links are in my, in my Twitter bio. And then 24th and 25th is Nebular Summit. That's the conference. And this is where it's basically just like three day, two days of technical talks. Uh, on 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 three different stages. We have over. I think we're gonna have like eighty speakers. It's like something ridiculous. <laughs> and, um, That's a lot. And so um, and then the venue is also super cool. So it's it's happening at this place called Albert School. It's a a historical building in the tenth uh, district of Paris that uh, used to be a like ceramics showroom. So there was this like very famous ceramics maker back in the late 19th century that had their like basically their store like in the middle of of paris and so it's this very beautiful art deco building with like lots of ceramic you know beautiful ceramic murals and um it's like super cool space that and then now it's like a business school so it's also like a perfect uh space to do a conference because it's got an auditorium and it has classrooms and it has like all the the facilities to to you know, to do like learning basically. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we'll, we're really pleased about the venue and I think people will really like it as well.
0: Super exciting. Uh, to clarify, like you mentioned, it starts with the with the hack day. I somehow I thought it was gonna be a hackathon. Maybe like explain the difference between a hack day and a hackathon.
1: It was supposed to be a hackathon. Like uh, we went, when, when when we started planning this, we were like let's do a hackathon and then we realized just how much work a hackathon was. And uh, mm-hmm. And also it costs money and like it is the bear market. So at some point we thought, okay, like uh, let's, let's maybe not do a hackathon. Let's do something in between where people can come in and learn how to build stuff. So basically it's technical workshops.
0: Yeah. To be, to be honest, when you we didn't just mention it right now. I I've thought that it's, it's actually cooler than at least, at least from my perspective, it's <laughs> uh, you know, I think I grew out of going to hackathons. It's like a lot of effort like sleepless night you like yeah. you know and probably from an organization perspective it's a lot of <clears> effort and you know you need to find sponsors pay out good bounties and, and in crypto I think people expect yeah. a lot of money for, for first, second, third uh, places but uh, I think a hack day is a great opportunity to learn without any pressure yeah. uh, is that is that the intention there? That's
1: the intention and you know the, the economics of the hackathon was something that I was very naive to because we started planning oh, well, let's, let's, let's get some sponsors and then, oh but we actually have to give prizes to people you know there's also the fact that there's this other hackathon happening in paris at the same time and so it, it just it d- didn't make sense but but actually what's really cool is a lot of people have signed up for the hack day because it's free it's the sunday also so a lot of people are still in town after Ecc and they maybe have like nothing to do on sunday so you know i think it's like one of the only events happening on sunday but uh yeah i think it'll be cool and i i used to do these too when i was you know maybe like 10 10 10 15 years ago i'd see these meetups and it's like come learn how to do like how to build node applications. And some company was hold, holding like a workshop all day long. That And I really enjoyed them because you have like mentors and you have people over there who are kind of teaching you how to, and hand holding through the through the process of building an application. And there's no pressure, right? There's no like pressure, to, like, oh, I need to like deliver this hack, this hackathon project and, and then present it and everything. And
0: um, how technical do you need to be? So it also
1: lowers the, it, well, I mean, I think you need to be fairly technical, right? Because you need to know how to code, but. You know, I think that's the only the other thing that's kind of interesting about it is even if you're not like mega, mega technical, you can still come to the thing, you know, listen to the presenter, maybe follow along, maybe ask questions like you don't have to be doing the workshop. You can also sit through the workshop and we want people obviously to come with their laptops and and like. Hack away, you know, but it's it's open to anyone. So uh, anybody who wants to learn or expand their knowledge uh, should definitely as come as long as there
0: are seats left. I suppose. Uh, is there like a limit of how many people you expect? Oh yeah, there's <laughs> seats left.
1: We still, there's there's still spots left for for both uh, Nebula Summit and for the conf- and for the Hack cool. Day.
0: Yeah, super exciting. Uh, yeah, so we have about twenty minutes left. I know you have a super structured day and you have a conference to organize <laughs> among a thousand other things. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, do another ten minutes and then maybe ten last minutes for for Q&A hopefully we'll have some good questions I think I, yeah. one, one of the things, interesting things that I wanted to wrap up is, is like some advice to our listeners and viewers about you know getting their career their job started in the industry and opportunities maybe just generally in crypto web3 as well as in the cosmos specifically what would you if you, if you were to start it all again what would you do if I had to start Again, and if you were to uh, start like in 2023, what would you focus on? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it depends on what you're into,
1: you know. Really, I mean,
0: I know you can code a little bit, right? But you're you, I don't think you classify yourself as like a complete, yeah. So
1: I- if I had to start today, what would I focus on? Start a podcast.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would probably start
1: a podcast, right? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think, yeah, I think I would start a podcast probably start another podcast probably do it differently though i mean you know you you kind of build habits after you do something for 10 years so i it's it's very difficult for me to like (laughs) step away from the way i've been doing things for the last 10 years and when people listen to the interop that probably shines through it's very difficult for me to stay consistent with writing i've always said like i want to do a newsletter like i want to write and it's I find that to be the thing that I've wanted to start lots of times and have never really stuck to it. But if someone's into writing, like starting a newsletter is a great way to learn and also make money, you know, if you can build an audience. So on that, on the content side, there's, yeah, there's also like obviously lots of opportunities for developers. So, you know, I think that would probably be the second thing that I would do is I really like, if I'd start again, I'd I'd really get into, I'd I'd spend more time coding. Like I, you know, I I did a lot of coding in my early career when I was working in web two. And when I came into crypto, I kind of stopped coding. I regret it to some extent because I like it. And uh, it's just like, you know, the, it's kind of like a cold start problem. So now like every time I start coding again, And it takes me like forever to get things Mm -hmm. going. You get my environment set up. And so I think coding is something that I, I would really spend more time doing remember that one time in singapore where we were sitting around and where you, you you were sitting in my hostel with some other dude and you guys were trying to like find bugs in some smart contract and i think that's probably the only the only time ever that i've coded right. solidity i feel, i find that's a bit a little bit a little bit embarrassing uh, <laughs> but i'm not um, sure if you know that smart contract yeah.
0: got delisted a few mi- months after <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember what it was, but uh, I remember it was. I think there was a blog post it, somewhere. It, it ended up being pretty catastrophic. Yeah,
0: I think there was a blog post somewhere. Yeah. It was me and Wajdi. Uh, from I, I think he's now yeah. with uh, also some VC, VC fund uh before that with consensus uh, anyway uh cool uh, i think it, it to comment about the content and, and coding with technical non-technical i think everyone thinks that grass is always greener on the other side and like non-technical people are like oh i want to i want to code and then like non-tech people are like oh i want to have an audience and then people who have newsletters are like oh i wish i had a youtube and everyone's just like grass is greener you, but you you mentioned i think yeah paying to your own interests and uh, doubling down on what people are interested in i think it's like the best approach yeah uh, instead of trying to like Th-
1: that that's a really like apt Point because I, I've throughout my entire life I've always like loved tinkering with computers and and coding and you know doing all this like kind of geeky really technical stuff and then I went to school and I studied like marketing and e commerce and I and then I came out of school and I got a job at some you know, a- agency that was starting to get into web. And uh, I wanted like a project manager position. I was like, you yeah, know, I want to like be basically the project manager for this agency. And I'm going to oversee like developers and stuff like that. And they're like, well, probably, you know, in the first year or two, as we're building out the team, you're also going to be building the projects and you're going to be coding. And, and I don't know, like I saw it as such a, I, I was like, oh, this is like a step down. Like, I, I, I don't want to be in this position. Like I want to be in a kind of like project manager leader position and looking back on that i thought like it was such a stupid uh, uh such a, a stupid mindset that that i had at that time that i was somehow like above you know developing and building things myself like it's just absolutely mind-boggling that i could have been so stupid in my mid-20s in my like mid-20s now i i really look up to people who are you know who are who are technical and developers, and I love being around them. And I like love asking questions, of, you know, how things work. And this is really, you know, the interop like this is what I try to do. But I, I do feel like uh, you know it's it, it's on me. But it's unfortunate that I I haven't uh, kept my technical skills to a high enough level that I can actually you know where I can actually kind of build stuff. I mean, I could if, if I think I could if if I really got into it and spent a lot of time doing it. But um, it it, what, it it is something that um. I regret a lot about the trajectory of my
0: of the last ten years. Interesting. Uh, yes, I guess the the takeaway here for everyone who. Considered coding is just just do just code. Uh, but for those who want to start a podcast, tell us what would you have done differently.
1: I think one thing that uh, I learned in the last like year and a half, uh, starting the interrupt, like this other podcast that I do, is to not be so concerned about things being super clean and nice and everything to be perfect. And which you know, with epicenter, I spent a lot of time with with the team there building you know the process for editing the podcast and everything's got to be spotless and the audio has to be amazing and the content and all this stuff and uh it, it takes a lot of time you know it takes a lot of time away from actually just producing content and thinking up cool ideas and exploring different topics and so when when i started the interop i was like Okay, this is going to be a YouTube channel. I'm going to do live streams. I'm going to hit record and I'm going to end the recording and that's it. That's the podcast. There's no editing. There's no uh, There's no like special audio version that's been like edited by an audio editor. Like I started that way and after two episodes, like no, 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 I'm not going to do this. This is like too much work and too much involvement. So yeah, producing content now is super easy. There's so many tools and uh, and, and also it's, yeah, it's just like it's gotten a lot better like I just thinking back 10 years ago, how we used to record the podcast, like we, we struggled. Like, I mean, there were, there were no tools, like Riverside didn't exist and StreamYard and Descript and all these like amazing tools that, that we use now. Uh, It was a lot easier and a a lot, a lot harder and a lot more expensive to to produce content. And so, yeah, just get out there, hit record, you know, write, hit publish. And um, I think, uh, yeah. Another another piece of advice I, I give to people who are producing content. And this is something I also learned: is you know don't be concerned about whether or not you make mistakes, or or maybe um, people shouldn't be concerned about not knowing things. And for the la- for for the for the you know several years into Epicenter, I, I you know when I when I prepare for a podcast, I would spend hours and hours and hours preparing a podcast so that I so that my knowledge about the topic was going in like super high, right? Or I had like a, a high level of knowledge and understanding of the topic that I would that I was covering so that I could look smart in front of the audience and and the person that I had in front of me. But that's the whole point of like the the, the I realized that the point of doing the podcast is that I can ask questions and I can learn from the person. And so learning leveraging this the the, the your your podcast or your your media to just be a place where, where you can actually do the learning is immensely valuable. And if you can just let go, like once I let go of this, this kind of idea that I had, that I had to know everything, it becomes so much fun and and so much more, it becomes more natural. And I, and, and, and now I like, I feel perfectly fine asking a question that five, six years ago, I thought I would have I wouldn't have asked because I would have felt like people thought I was stupid because I didn't know the Mm -hmm. answer to that question, you know? So just, just going in and like, and you know, who does this really well? Like, you know, I think like Peter McCormick, I I, I don't necessarily like agree with all his views, but you know, I think he's the quintessential just normie, right. That just like, and who just came in, didn't know anything about anything and was just asking questions, asking questions. And a lot of, I think a lot of the, podcasts that came up in the last like five six years around crypto were just people who came in not knowing like crypto is another great example he's like a a youtuber in, in the cosmos space you know he came in like he knew a little bit about crypto and he, he's just super humble about like okay like i'm gonna come on this podcast I'm, I'm gonna talk to this person i'm gonna ask them questions i might not know the answers but i'm that's why i'm talking to them is because i want to Understand this stuff, and that's how I'm, I'm going to build my knowledge. So I think that's the right way to go about it.
0: Resonating with it, I think we're making some of the mistakes that you mentioned uh, over a little bit of overproducing, and it's still uh, trying to be per- perfectionist about it. Uh, which definitely, I'm feeling. But yeah, because it's fun. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's fun to overproduce. It's fun to it's like. You know, do this do this content, and then like produce it, and then you spent tons of hours ironing, you know, like tinkering with it and making it perfect, and your intro and your jingle and your you know whatever, and then you put it out there, and it's like, oh wow, this looks and the, amazing. And then like two to listeners, but to the person who is no one listens, right? yeah, 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 and I I know you're a perfectionist too, so that's why like that, that's why I'm telling you this. You know, it's it, it's so easy to just produce the content, and then you know at some point I think you know with the interrupt. When, when there's a little bit more budget and then I might get like an audio editor to help me with some stuff and produce like a proper audio version. But like, it doesn't need to start that way. And, um, and now there's just the tools are so good that it really, that, that, you know, that small increase in quality that you're gonna get doesn't really justify the cost I think for, I think the content's really what's most important.
0: I guess, unless you're Mr. Beast. <laughs> Unless you're at that scale. I think they, they perfect every single frame on their videos. But I guess I, there is some threshold where yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's just, yeah. yeah. In the beginning, it doesn't... I don't know. Uh, you, you know, definitely more than I do on this. Me, uh, let me read some questions that have been uh, asked under the thread. One question from Shivam. Not a lot of people think about event management as a career in Web three. Thoughts about the future of event management?
1: So, event management is the thing that I like to do, but I would like to spend less time doing. So, <laughs> hopefully, like next year, we'll, we'll we'll have a bigger team that's kind of managing a lot of that a lot of that stuff because it is it is hard, right? It, like you know, it, it can get really time consuming to organize an event but again i think focusing on the content is the most important part so once you have the content really figure it out and you're going to keep people engaged and get people interested in the content i think that's the most important part and then you can kind of build around that and I, you know I, I think like this year we, we really focused a lot on content and uh, making sure that it's going to be really interesting for people and so like one of the things is that we're not doing a whole lot of panels at at Nebula Summit like last year we had tons of panels and because we wanted to get a lot of, like a lot of people on stage but this year we're only doing like four panels over the two days and they're very specific topics and the reason why we're doing that is because i think that most panels are shit mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean unless they're un, unless panels are prepared and unless the moderator spends like an hour with the panelists beforehand preparing the questions preparing the topics you know a lot of panels are just like you know, four guys or girls coming on stage with a moderator, they haven't prepared anything, maybe they've received some questions beforehand, but they haven't really discussed about where they want to go, you have to make a panel engaging. And so anyway, so we're, we're, we're limiting the amount of panels, but we're going to have debates, which I think is like an interesting format that, uh, that people will appreciate and that always get maybe a interesting. little bit spicy. How
0: would debates look like? I've never been at a conference debate session
1: well we're we're still still figuring out what that's going to look like but basically we'll have two people with opposing views or yeah some Uh some opposing uh values and someone who's there to kind of moderate like ask questions and uh and 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 moderate but the but the key is that we have two people who are like in Uh opposition to some extent
0: Uh will you have someone from uh, european union (laughs) with central bank (laughs)
1: No, so we'll we'll do like a EVM versus Cosmosm debate. Uh, we'll also do, this gets a little bit into the weeds here, but we'll do uh, like app chains versus roll-ups debate. And we might do like another
0: one as well. Fixed supply versus infinite printer, maybe. <laughs> I like how you just nodded and... <laughs> That's a good one. Didn't say anything. Cool. Okay, but I think like uh, we digress a little bit from the question, but I think there's... Adam, the question was about uh, career in event management, specifically in crypto. I think it's, there are so many conferences happening, including online hackathons. I wonder if eventually we'll yeah. see some people just specializing on organizing, hosting, and like maybe consulting on events for crypto. What, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I, I think... So this actually might be something that, well, something, something I'd like to see more of. is that There's a lot of event mm-hmm. agencies out there you know, agencies that, you know, organize events and, but I think there's, there there aren't many that are specific to crypto, you know, that understand the culture and understand the tech and the norms. And, and yeah, I think that's something that I'd like to see more. I mean, there's a few, right, but they're just so busy, because they're few and far between. And so uh, like, we work with an agency, an agency, for example, and they're great. They're like, Really on top of that, you know, they're a, an event production agency, but they don't get crypto. So we have to like explain to them, you know, oh, like we're going to we're going to do the signage and it's we're, there's, like some liquidity pun. And they're like, what is what is this joke that you were trying to do? Right. Or like stuff like that. So, yeah, crypto agencies that are or event agencies that are
0: crypto specialized, I think a, a, a good, a good. Jordan Scott, how can I learn how to code in Web3? What are the best? What are the bases I should learn? Maybe what are the best resources that I should learn from?
1: I think, I mean, I, I, I think it depends on which, which ecosystem you're, uh, you know, or which language you want to learn. I mean, certainly there's like tons of resources um, for learning solidity. If you want to learn how to code for Cosmwasm, there's uh, Cosmwasm Academy, I think it's called. That's one resource. Yeah. Cosmwasm Academy. Uh, that's um, one resource. And I, I wish I, I wish I had more. That's a um, good start.
0: Uh, do other uh, are, yeah. are you aware of any like YouTubers who specifically specialize on technical tutorials for Cosmos? For, for... Um, I'm not. I don't think. There I are think that's any a great opportunity. I think in, in uh, that are
1: specific, specifically Cosmwasm? I it don't could think be so. a
0: great uh, land grab for for those who want to specialize in that and create like technical content. I think in the Solidity space, there are a lot of these big big uh, influencers. Yeah. And they're getting bigger and bigger. Uh, we interviewed some of them, which was which was pretty good. Uh, Patrick Collins, I think, is probably one of the most known ones. There is uh, yeah. DAP University, Eat the Blocks, Julian from Eat the Blocks. Uh, a lot, a lot of different great guys, and I think the new, new content creators that are technical for solidity contract audits coming out all the time. I think. Uh, f- it's a great opportunity for for cosmos for cosmos ecosystem as well. If you're coding and you want to create content, yeah,
1: yeah, and there, there's um, you know there's more and more hackathons now. So like right now I mentioned there's the the awesome Wasm hackathon going on. Uh, there's going to be a hackathon also at uh, Cosmoverse. So I, we didn't mention events, but there's kind of like three main cosmos events uh, now. So there's Cosmoverse, which is this big, like it's going to be the, probably the biggest cosmos conference this year. I mean, it will be the biggest Cosmos conference this year. And it's happening in Turkey. It's, it's organized by this, this CryptoCito guy, this YouTuber who creates, like, a lot of content around Cosmos and Cosmos chains. But although not, like, super technical. But, but if people want, like, an intro to the space, that's a good, a good starting point, a good resource. Uh, and they'll have a hackathon for sure. And then there's the Gateway to Cosmos conference. They're organized by, like, a, a VC fund in Prague. Uh, they had their second edition this year. They also had a hackathon, and then there's Nebular Summit. It's a Amazing. great place to learn, also, <laughs> and uh, and then there's some ecosystem conferences. So a lot of the chains now do their own conference. So like Evmos does their own conference. You know, uh, P- uh, Osmosis is doing their own conference also now. Uh, OsmoCon, they're they're doing theirs in Paris uh, next week. Um, the Polymer team does IBC Summit. They're doing a bunch of those around the world. And a lot of times like i think there's going to be you know increasingly those will have hackathons attached to them so that's a good place to learn as speaking well.
0: i mean one last question this one is for me i just thought of something i think in ethereum ecosystem there's like a lot of talk right now about smart contract security i think there are audit firms popping up every day and it's a really really hot space yeah. do you know any stats about the number of hacks in cosmos ecosystem is smart contract vulnerability still a thing in cosmos um other opportunity for like for white hat or black hat hackers to get some uh, part of the pie?
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, you know, just as in Ethereum, you know, things in Cosmos get audited. There are less hacks, I think, by virtue of the fact that, you know, the Cosmos SDK, which is the primary way that people build blockchains in Cosmos, that thing provides a stable framework for building applications and that thing's been audited. And so by using the Cosmos SDK, you're kind of protecting yourself against a lot of the lower level vulnerabilities. And also just the fact that like, you know, Solidity is great, but there are a lot of inherent vulnerabilities to Solidity, like reentrancy attacks and things like that, that just don't exist uh, when you're using something like the Cosmos SDK and certainly Cosmos, uh, Cosmosm as well. There's a lot of like built-in security features there inside that language that, protects that protects applications from a lot of the main vulnerabilities that's that Solidity developers have to build around like the, you have to like build your application in a certain way to avoid that sort of those sort of vulnerabilities well in in Cosmos they don't really exist from from just the way this it's constructed um, but yeah there's there's always opportunities for there's always opportunities for uh, like s- people to audit and uh, more security in the space cool
0: another question from uh, Shivam um since you interact with many Web3 founders and leaders, what are the key, few key features or behaviors that you've seen consistently across like successful founders?
1: Like focus is a huge one and, and focus in, there's different layers to focus. I think there's focus just being able to focus on the task at hand, right? So that's kind of like the lower, the lower level thing, like day to day to be focused and structured. But then there's focus on the problem that you're solving. So one of the things that we look for when when we talk to teams is you know are are these founders really focused on this problem or are they just chasing some some industry trend? You know, when when that when this particular trend is over, are they going to just like pivot to another trend? And so we look for for founders that are that have identified a problem that they really want to solve. And they're like super, super focused on, on solving. And that they're going to try to solve this problem, no matter what happens, no matter what the market trends are, whatever, no matter where they, for like a bear market or, or a bull market, whether or not they have investors, whether or not they have traction. Like that's the main thing that we look for in, uh, in founders. I think, I think one thing that is also, uh, really, really valuable in a founder is someone like a technical founder, but who also has business development skills. So, you know, a lot of times we'll we'll find this dynamic with the CEO, CTO, where you have like a, a CEO who's maybe more outgoing, who's gonna be doing like the business development and the outreach and everything, and a CTO that's probably a little bit less so and more focused on the tech. I find, founders I find really captivating are, are those who, who, who can handle both. Who can like, like w- w- one one example here is like is, um, is Ismail from LaGrange. He, he can talk about zero knowledge and like I, I'm totally lost. I don't know what he's talking about. He really, uh, really understands the technology super, super well, but he's also uh, a great speaker and he really carries a message and, and he's super outgoing and, and uh, just like a, a, a good business person as well. So I think like founders like this are, are really, really underrated. Okay. Uh,
0: good points, especially about focus. Um, do we have any more minutes, or shall we, shall we wrap it up? Do we have to run? <laughs> maybe one more question. Okay, more uh, question, okay this know. question is from me, though. Uh, something that I thought while you were giving an answer. What do you think, though? So, like, you know, you mentioned that focusing on specific problem and fixing that problem is, like, super important, uh, at least to you. Let me just maybe, like, a devil's advocate a little bit. Uh, What do you think of when team jumps on a certain trend as a way to get their foot into the door, like just get their, I don't know, get the maximum number of followers or just get their some adoption. And then after that kind of uh, trying to create that momentum into mission versus just focusing on on the on the problem that they started from day one do, do you understand that question should i paraphrase it
1: there's there's like vision right and then there's the mission you you might have a vision and that that vision doesn't really change that vision is is that it's a fifty thousand foot vision that it, it sets the course for what you're going to do and then your are you know your your day-to-day or like year-to-year mission might change uh because that 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 target sometimes can also can also move, right? So uh, when I, when I'm talking about focus, I mean like the 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 long term long term vision should should be solid, and you should focus on that. And then you know your plans might change over time to mm. to achieve it, and you might like you know change your uh, change your, your your focus slightly, but you're still heading towards that that vision. Have you
0: seen any successes where that came from, like companies or teams chasing trends, and then they backset a stumble up on something, and then they kind of like took off?
1: Yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible to follow some trend and then realize that there's you know a great product idea, and certainly there's like lots of there's lots of examples of this. But because we're so early in the space and the, the crypto space is super early and there are a lot of opportunities to really create narratives and to, to create these really important visions that are going to lead us towards like a, a more decentralized web. And so I think this early in the industry's life cycle, uh we can we can count on founders that are going to create create the vision and the narrative that leads us, you know, to the next 10, 15 years of uh, of growth in this space. And I think those who are really focused on on those ideas are the ones that are, you know, the most inspiring.
0: Solid. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that's the um, good inspiration for us all to focus on a big on a big picture. Uh, and and I think like uh, one thing that I just mentioned is that. We're still super early. I think it's a good reminder. I think it's it's uh, yeah. sp- feels especially so during the bear market. And it, it's quite interesting that he's still seeing that up after like ten years in the space.
1: Yeah, I think for me, I've always really been since I've gotten into crypto. I've been interested in the vision, right? The the, the Web three vision. Like how we execute the vision, I think, has has changed over the years. I mean, certainly it's changed over the years, but the overall goal is still the same. Mm-hmm. It's it's about it's about creating a web that is more decentralized where there's more sovereignty and um, and a web that's more open. And um, I think that that has not really changed over the last, you know whatever, 13 years since Bitcoin was...
0: 100%. Crazy. I think we're still definitely far away from it. Anyway, I know you have to be running uh, in just a few minutes. I think we are over time as well. Closing thoughts, Seb. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, and keep doing what you're doing. I Thank really you. like this, this <laughs> great content. And also uh, congratulations on Crypto Jobs List and uh, being like such an important uh, resource for people to mm-hmm. well find, find work which is really great uh, but also you know understand the space better and like how they should be positioning themselves as professionals
0: awesome in the space. thank you so much Seb you've definitely been an inspiration to me over these years and the support thanks so much for staying all the way till the end I hope you enjoyed this episode and make sure to ask your questions in the comments down below so we can go through them and answer them as much as we can you know remember that asking quite good questions is the best part of learning and super important so uh, make sure to also subscribe and like the video for more videos we are trying to do these every two weeks or so and these are also live streamed on Twitter. So this is how you can participate live and ask our guests questions. Make sure to follow us on CryptoJobsList on Twitter and on YouTube as well, as I just said. All right, thank you so much. See you guys again.